All right, welcome to the Delayed Gratification Podcast. I got one of my great friends and probably the most well-traveled person in the world, but we're going to get there, uh, Mr. Brian Jewett. Brian, tell us a little bit about who you are, man, and what you do. All right, man, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the tax strategist, Uh-oh. you know, so I've been in this uh, game for 25 years, originally from New Orleans, man, just entrepreneur all my life, never worked uh, a job more than one year. Been an entrepreneur since I was 13, you know, got into the tax game and loved it, man. It just took it to another level. Like you said, worldwide traveler, uh, love helping. I think my new passion is really just seeing other people grow, creating other millionaires, though. So, you know, that's a little bit who I am, man. Strategist, tax strategist. What's the difference between a tax strategist and an accountant and a tax preparer? Well, the the biggest difference is 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 funny because you know I didn't I didn't really de- decipher the difference between the two for a long time because everybody said tax prepare, but then what I started seeing was like every time I come to people they say well Brian you know people come to me they say Brian somebody referred me they say you can give me some strategies to be better you know and so I would sit down and I would consciously think of ways to change your situation I would come up with strategies. And so a strategist, basically someone who actually going to create a strategy based on what you're trying to do. So it ain't just coming in, writing off all your expenses. It ain't just coming in, filling out the paperwork. We're going to come up with a strategy. If you say, I'm trying to buy a house, I'm trying to get some land. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying not to pay no taxes. We're going to come up with a strategy for all that. A tax preparer pretty much comes in and just do your taxes. They ain't asking no questions. They don't care about what you're trying to do or any of that. And they're going to prepare your taxes. But they ain't going to give you no strategies to grow your business, grow your taxes, enhance your money. So what I'm hearing is, again, remember, we're on the delayed gratification podcast. But what I'm hearing is sometimes you got to wait to get that plan executed properly. You help me start. I come in and give you my idea. This is my goal. I want to buy a $20 million property, right? You look at where I am now and we come up with a plan to get there from a tax perspective. What does that look like on a regular basis though? Are all your clients, do you sit down and get them a game plan or do they come in and you just prepare their taxes? No, not all of them because everybody ain't game planable. <laughs> some people are just <laughs> where they at, you know? And I always say some people, and see, and this is why I changed courses in the type of clients over the years because I knew that I had value in this business. I knew that I, I, I loved the business, I had experience in it, and I was really good in it. So if you didn't really have nothing that you was trying to do or really didn't have, I really couldn't be of value to you because if you just got a straight W-2, anybody can do that, you know? And I didn't have strategies for you if you was not trying to do anything. Not that I didn't want you as a client, but I knew with all of the resources I had experience, I got to sit down with somebody who don't want, who wants basically delayed gratification and not instant gratification. See, instant gratification is when I don't have no value behind what I'm doing. I want it now. Give me my refund now. Can't, how fast is it going to come? But begin when you start talking about delayed gratification, that's when you're putting a plan together. So that's where I'm best at because, again, when you come in and you say, well, Brian, my goal is to get me a $20 million property. My goal is to get me a $10 million property. My goal is to get me a line of credit of $200,000, $300,000, half a million dollars. I say, all right, this is what we're going to do. Typically, they want to see a year and a half of stuff, two years. We're going to start now for two years. So we're going to start putting your, 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 your returns together this year how you need it to be when they require two years or if they need this year and a profit and loss statement, we're going to say, all right, well, this is what you need to do as far as your balance sheet as your profit and loss, because we got this year, we almost at the end of this year. So we're going to start working on the beginning of next year. And that's basically the difference between, you know, what I do and what most people in my industry does. So let me, you just said something (laughs) and I, and I, so a lot of people, I hear a lot of people right now in the entrepreneurial space on social media talking about getting unsecured funding, right? I know, right, that it's tougher to get the lines of credit. Seems like you you know a little bit about that. Does it normally require us to have several years of tax returns? Have you had a lot of clients where you've helped them to get that line of credit based upon the tax returns? Oh, yes, most definitely. 
you know, because now when I'm transitioning, you know, thanks to yourself and a couple other people, I deal with a lot of investors now. You know, I deal with a lot of people that's getting funding now, you know, and what I'm seeing is a common practice. Like most of the time I can tell most people what they need before they even come to me, you know, and because I've seen it so much and now I, and, and I'm so experienced at it, but yeah, that that's, that's basically what you're going to need to do is position yourself from a tax standpoint, not every situation, because you'll hear some people say, well, we do situations where no tax returns required. It's going to always be an exception to the rule, mm-hmm. you know, but again, for the most part, if we talk about even 70 to 75% of the people want to see some type of financials, they want to see at least a couple of years of tax return. They want to see a profit and loss statement. They want to see a balance sheet. They want to see something. So you still got to be in that game somewhere, unless you just created a method where you got a, a, a source where you don't have to do any of that stuff. And that's not common. Got it. Got it, man. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. All right. I, I, I do want to come back to us filing taxes and what that looks like. One thing I can say and you have changed every course that we've been at, right? You always talk about this one thing that is like, I didn't know anything about it for 20 years, right, that, that I was in business. It is why you set up an LLC and how you set up the LLC. Can you go into what makes what you tell us a little bit different than what we've learned over the years, especially most of us that are, I'm going to say at a certain age range, man, we we just starting to learn how to set these LLCs up properly because it's a newer, I don't say setting up an LLC is new, but the way you set it up properly, we're just now starting to hear about it. So tell me a little bit about kind of your, what you teach us, man. I'm going to say that. Well, well, one of the things though, and, 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 and I built a lot of my success probably over the last 15 years, you know, really just getting people to understand this and, and simplify it. And the reason why I say this, I, I always say I don't always introduce everybody to it because when, when I talk to most audience and I say who has an LLC, 90% of the people that have a business have an LLC. So they know they should have it. And I ask them why. And they talk, they tell me why. And you have situations where you have people, man, it's so funny because everybody heard of it, but nobody really know why they did it. So when I talk about S-Corps and I say, well, this is the, the leverage changer. This is the game changer. Most people say, well, I heard of it, but, you know, my person told me, but I don't know why I need to do it. The thing about it is, Ramon, it's been around, bro, for 20-something years. Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. This has been in this book. This book is at least 23, 24 years old. He put it in there in Chapter 17 when he talked about corporation. We read right past it because, see, taxes is a bore into people. So they're going to read it, but they ain't going to pay attention to it. You know, and the beauty of it is, is that the answers were there. And so when I saw over the years how not just myself was saving thousands of dollars in taxes. And so we, I know we're going to get into the travel, but one of my methods was all of the money that I save from not paying taxes, I'm going to use that to travel and invest. So I had freed up money. This is why, you know, I started at such a young age and understood this because I understood this concept. So when you put the S-Corp into election and you cut your taxes in half. So when I'm an LLC, but I choose to be taxed as an S-Corporation, I cut my taxes in half pretty much. Bruh, who don't so want how, that? So, how, so, me, so I'm an LLC, but I file as an S-Corp. Why wouldn't I just file it? Why wouldn't I just set up an S-Corp? Because, see, if you set up an S-Corp, when you look at it, if you look at the two, the corporation going to tell you you need a board of directors, you need minutes, you need to have quarterly meetings, you need to pay yourself a reasonable salary, you need to do all of those things. A LLC is I just set up the LLC with the Secretary of State. I don't have to have minutes. I don't have to have board of directors. I don't have to have quarterly meetings. I don't have to W-2 myself as an LLC. It's a, it's a limited liability company. You know, but the problem with that is I separate myself from the company. So if somebody try to sue me, this is the part that everybody understands. But with the part they don't understand with the LLC is, is that you still get taxed the same way you does as a sole proprietor. You pay double taxes. This is where the election is so important. So I want to be an LLC because it's the most simplistic entity to start that's going to separate me from my company. 
but it don't separate me from the double taxes. This is why most people don't grow because they don't want to show income because they don't want to pay the taxes. So they reduce their income so low. Now they can't qualify for nothing. The way you win is through ownership. You can't own nothing if you ain't showing nothing. So most of the cases now, when we start talking about showing with the S corp, the S corp basically is what we call a pass through entity, meaning all of the money you make from the business pass through the business, meaning you pay no business taxes. So now I cut my money in half. So now I still have the benefit of separating myself from the company, not getting sued personally, but now I got the tax break where I don't pay the 15.3% in additional taxes. That's a lot of money. When yeah, you, when you that's making, more than the tax rate now. The, the lowest tax rate now is 12%. They dropped it when Trump came in, but you're still cutting your taxes almost in half now by understanding this. So if I can cut my taxes in half, I'm willing to show more money now on my taxes with my business. If I'm willing to show more money, I can go get more money. In my business. In my business. Okay. Rich and successful people understand you play with other people's money. You know, you, you play with other people's money. This is why you hear millionaires and billionaires always talking about getting investors, going to the bank. They got a half a billion dollars, a billion dollars in the bank, a, work, a net worth, and they still getting money from other people. You don't play with your own money. You don't play with your own money. I'm going to go back to that LLC. Uh-huh. So I'm an LLC, but I elect to file as an S-corp. Uh-huh. How do you do that? Like, wh- who who teaches us that? Like, when I first set up my LLC, it wasn't anything on there to tell me. I don't think it was on there when I went on there to file it myself, right? So let's say I have an LLC that's two years old. I've been paying all the taxes because it I'm double taxed, basically. Yes. Right? How do I go from being, I don't want to change my name because I got my business bank mm-hmm. account, I got my address, I got my history, uh-huh. you know, I got stuff set up. What do I do now if I want I want to cut those taxes now? Can I change it now? Yes. Yes. It, and, and like you say, nobody teaches you this. It's a game. And we don't know how to play the game. Nobody taught us how to play the game. And when you don't know the rules of the game, people can tell you anything. They're going to be able to put anything over you. So it's a couple of forms that you have to fill out. You know, one is a 8832 and one is a 2553 form. You know, and so you can go and fill those forms out and it can elect to be taxed as an S-corp. One of the things that that we have been so great at is even understanding the concept of going back, because like you said, a couple of times you have actually got double tax for filing, you know, those two years that you showed income. Now, I've actually went back retroactive those forms to three years ago. You become an S Corp now. That means if now if I become an S Corp and they retroactive three years ago, I shouldn't have paid those double taxes. Now they give me that money back. Oh, oh. So let's say last year, past two years, I paid $100,000 in taxes, right? Mm-hmm. But I had a traditional LLC. So now coming up on 2022, when I filed my 2022 taxes, we changed the election. Yeah. But you go back to 2021 and 2020, and we can possibly get some of that money back. Yeah, once, once the IRS accepts your paperwork, because you have to send it in, it takes a process. It's even longer now because the pandemic didn't threw everything off. You know, it was already a slow process because it had to be something that had to be faxed and in, in, uh, e- uh, not even emailed, faxed or mailed. So it was a slow process already. The pandemic is slowed it up because the IRS is still behind. But once you send it in, they send it back and say you've been accepted as an S-Corp, then now, at that point, you can start doing everything back because if we filled out the paperwork and we said, when it, it asks you, when, when do you want to start the process of an S-Corp? You can backdate it three years. If they come back and they say, you've been an S-Corp, you've been elected as an S-Corp since 2018, then at that point, we amend your 18, 19, 20 returns. And now, because we amended them and you normally don't pay that double tax, you get that double tax back. I just got a client back. They got twenty six thousand dollars back. They got how much back? Twenty six thousand. 
By changing the election? Yeah. By being retroactive or? By being retroactive. Because the last three years they should they filed, they shouldn't have been paying those double taxes because technically they had filed the paperwork. And see, that's another thing is people filed the paperwork back then, but the IRS never processed it because anything by paper with the IRS is hit and miss. <laughs> anything by paper is hit and miss. And unfortunately, they're still dealing with paper. You know, and so what happens is, is that, you know, you can put on there because they give you an explanation why you just filing it. And you can actually, you know, put the explanation. And there's what they call a late relief, too. So if you filed it late, you can basically put an explanation on why it was late. You know, and so it can be a bunch of reasons. You know, they even help you out and put. Now they give you a drop down of explanations you can use. And one of the explanations said, you know, mailed but not received. So because they know that this is a common practice that you can put it in, but the IRS never received it or never processed it. They know this is a common practice. Wow. 26,000. Yeah. Because those last three years they was filing as a sole uh, single member LLC when they really was a S corp. And they had been filing those, those years and years and paying that extra tax and the tax person didn't tell them and they, or the tax person didn't know they didn't know no better. You know, and so when I looked at it and we started talking, it was like, well, no, we're S Corp. And I'm like, you sure you're an S Corporation? It was like, well, yeah, we did the paperwork. We got a letter years ago saying this. I said, oh, yeah, well, we got to amend these. And when we amended it, it changed. Tax strategy, strategist. When should I start coming to you to figuring out strategies? Like, do you have like a consultation? What does that look like? Because a lot of us just say, you know what? It's 2022. <laughs> I'm going to go file my taxes. Yeah, yeah. Right. When should we start talking with you and what does that process look like? Yeah, I would say halfway through the year, man, at least at least halfway. You know, one, one of the things that really, really upsets me is the fact that I don't get enough people to call me throughout the year. You mean from January? You mean from what? When the when when is the tax return time? That's that's from January to April, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's that's the peak time. Okay, you know, for most people, that's the IRS schedule. I always say that ain't our schedule because we probably do more returns after April than most people do all year. You know, and so we pretty much all year round. I keep a full staff all year round because this is not just a situation where you need to be filing from January to April if you're a business owner. You really need to have a rapport. So with, with us, we encourage you. But it is to me, man, it, like I just don't understand as many clients that I have with the number of people that actually come. But it, it shows me why a lot of people businesses are not striving, you know, because we don't like tax planning is a part of success. Like you do it for everything else. And my number one thing I always say is athletes and entertainers don't wait until the season to start getting in shape. Some of them do. <laughs> well, yeah, some of them do. Yeah. yeah, some of them do. But the same concept, they have an off season. Mm -hmm. They start practicing four, five, six months. Some of them never off. But at least six months prior to the season, they start off season conditioning, training camp, and then they get into the season. That's your business. You got to have a off season conditioning. Then you got to have a training camp and then come January, you're ready for the season. But you can't get in January and say, well, now I'm going to start getting my paper together. I'm going to start asking questions. It's too late now because everything that's going to affect you is going to be for this new year. Now going back, we can't change nothing because it is what it is. So that's like an athlete saying, all right, the season start in October. So I'm going to start lifting in October. You know, that no. makes sense. Yeah, you know, and, and, and so that's the concept behind it. You gotta do this stuff mm. proactively, man. You got to. So so really what you're saying is right now we should already know what's happening for the rest of the year. Oh yeah, you're already late. Yeah, if you just starting right now, you gotta think in, in a week and a half no, not in a week and a half, in about a week almost, you know, we're gonna September. be in the ninth month of the year, bro. We're gonna be in the ninth month of the year. Mm. Yeah, we are. Good. Yeah, so that's crazy. So now that we know that, right? Because as we're talking about the point in having a great tax strategist and planning and filing is so that we can invest more, um, take those trips, right? And I, and I got to ask you about that in just a second, though, because I, 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 you know, 
I ain't figured it out yet, but I guess you are good. You got some good tax strategies, but in building wealth, right? I've I've heard many many people, including you, talk about understanding why the different tax codes were put into effect. It's really for the wealthy, right? Even when you go back to, you know, Mr. Trump, um, what did he do that that we should have took advantage of while he was in office? And prior to him, the tax code, why is it like a cheat code almost? Like if we know it or if we have a strategy that really know the codes. So how how do how does that help us build wealth? Well, it helps us build wealth. If if you really like what what I found myself is the more successful that I've gotten, the more stuff I read and listen to from wealthy people. You know, and and, and it's crazy because everything comes back to tax savings tax free. If you listen to successful people, they talk about tax savings and tax free because they understand if something bro, is, is taking 40 to 50% of your money off top, how can you really be successful? Or you got to work twice as hard. And what we got to understand is we're human. So being human, we're limited in our time, our days, our energy, our lifespan, so if you're trying to work twice as hard to achieve something, by the time you achieve it, you burnt out. You can't enjoy it. So if I learn how to keep 30 more, 30, like it's, let's just say most people are getting, 40, let's say 40% of your money is being taken. That means you're living off 60% of your money. So if I make $50,000 a year, I'm really only living off 30000 Yeah, yeah, if, you, if you're lucky. Because the higher you go, the more taxes you pay. So you probably less than that. So again, if I learn now to you learn you living off sixty. If I learn to keep more of my money, I learn to live off eighty five. I'm gonna have a much better lifestyle than you, much faster because I got twenty five percent probably more money to now invest. I meant though, I meant now. So we're gonna have some discipline. There's gonna have to be some delayed things happening because now that twenty five percent extra that I got. Right. I need to invest it. Yeah. Or save it. Or save it. Or save it. Okay. All yeah. right. And and the savings could come in the form of people say, well, you can't, you know, you don't want your money in savings. Money that's saving is dead money. But it could be in the form of saving it to the point of you're not keeping it there long term for wealth. You're keeping it there for lifestyle. Mm-hmm. For lifestyle. So it's easily accessible for lifestyle. Just like I said, when I first started off, my whole goal was, this was probably about 15 years ago. I've been traveling for quite some time. But I said, I'm going to put $25,000 aside for travel. Per what? Month? No, no, no. Oh, man, <laughs> we ain't trying to figure out what's your budget, man. Yeah, we, yeah. I'm no, getting ready nah, to go maybe for, with you. For the year. For the year, $25,000 every year. Yeah, I said you. I was going to put $25,000 aside for a year, a year. So just think, if I'm able to save thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes that most people just figure that's a part of the system, so they let them take it. That means if I learn this early on and I'm able to put this and have a budget aside, I'm going to have a lifestyle way better than you, much faster than you. And this is why I tell people when people say, I want to be like you. I want to live. I want to do like this. And I say, you, it's going to be hard for you because if you're not understanding that you got to put this aside, you got to have disposable income. You won't be able to do it as often because see what this does is create freedom. It creates freedom because I'm not a slave to now making money to try to get money to do things. Cause if I already got the money, I don't have to work as hard and as long because I already got the money set aside for it. So it creates freedom. So now with the freedom, I can do all of these things. And that's what the most people don't understand that it creates the freedom. But see, now even part of that, even the other part that I save, even if I didn't save 25000 even if I only save fifteen for travel or ten, and I take the other fifteen and put that into investing and let that money grow long term, that means now by the time I hit 50, I don't have to work as much again. I created freedom because I'm not scared that I'm not going to make money when I'm older because my money has already been working for me. So now I can go and live my life and not have to say, well, I got to get the miles in. I got to make that money. I got to get the bag. No, the bag is taking care of itself. I always say the thing about it is I never basically get a chance to work. I mean, I never get a chance to hang out with my money because my money is always working. 
Like, mm. man, like I can't, I, I, I never can hang out with my money because it's always working. But you got to pay taxes on it. No, not on investment stuff. And see, this is the game that we got to learn because now we ain't even get into the whole life insurance part of it, how eventually you start pulling that money every year tax-free. Okay. I can't let you go no further, though. So 15 years ago, you were putting away 25000 a year for travel? Yeah, that was my, my budget. I was, like, let me put at least twenty five on the side. So for the past 15 years, you've been doing what we see, right? How many... Co- continents have you not been on i've been to every continent it's seven of them so you've been to every continent yeah um how many wonders of the world is it? i've been to all seven ancient wonders yeah all right it's some new ones though where they at i get them <laughs> <laughs> i'm working out of planets now <laughs> i'm gonna leave that one alone you you jumping in with elon yeah on. yeah I'm, I'm taking the ride that's man. 250 right i'm so taking, you just got to save up uh, that I'm taking the ride. You're going to take the ride? Yeah. How often do you travel? Uh, I always say I try to do, I, I probably do two trips a month. Okay. Yeah, I probably do two trips a month. Like my goal was to always do one passport stamp, you know, a month. So at least 12 trips a year. But most cases I do, you know, I'll do two. Like a lot of them just be unplanned. Like my partners, them will call me sometimes and say, man, we're going to such and so. We're going to Panama. You know, and I'd be like, all right, well, shit, I'll meet y'all over there. How are you, and I know you have your own business, but how are you able to do that? I'm still, because you, you put away what most people make, 25000 Like, that's average American income, right? How does that work? Is that is that because you've learned how to be disciplined? You've learned how to save more with your taxes? Is it a combination? Is it being patient? Like how are you there? Because I mean, I mean, honestly, man, you are a true inspiration. Uh, I think you was just you went out of town this past weekend, and even on smaller trips, you make them seem so big. You know what I mean? How is that? What can we do to travel like you travel? Well, the first thing I tell people is you got to be intentional, bro. You got to really want it. This was always a desire and dream of mine, you know. And 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 we got to understand that, you know. To do that, you gotta be when you say I wanna travel, that means that you gotta make some sacrifices somewhere else. So you gotta put some money aside to make sure that you start traveling. You know, you gotta you gotta do that. And I think that's what we don't do. And and it's freedom. Like for me, I love freedom. I love to be able to go. So if you really love it, you gotta take the sacrifice. So again, where can I sacrifice? In your taxes. If you're giving somebody twenty to twenty five percent more than you should be then that's money that you're leaving on the table. That's your travel money. I always tell people, I guarantee you, it's nothing that you want to do that you can't do because your money is tied up in your taxes. So if you say, man, I don't have the money to invest. I don't have the money to travel. I say, I guarantee you, if you work a job, you're paying more taxes than you should. If you have a business, you're paying more taxes than you should. So the money is in there. So the way I was able to do so, again, is I consciously say, Typically, most people pay this amount in taxes. Since I know and learn this tax game, I'm not going to pay that much. And if, if I'm going to keep it to what you pay, what I know I can save, I don't look at that as extra money. I look at that as lifestyle money. So I started putting that money aside. You know, I started putting it aside. And, and, and the tax business has been very, very good to me. You know, I can say that it's been very good to me. Um, you know, and the thing about it is, is that you don't have to be I always said I'm probably not the richest person, you know, but I'm the most successful. Ooh. You know, I'm not the richest, but I'm, I'm most successful. And and part of success is being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it. You definitely do that. You know, and I'm at a point in my life now and, and this was all intentional. Like, I don't have to have I used to me and I know, you know, Ryan, me and Ryan used to always say we're going to buy <laughs> island. We're going to buy a jet. We're going to do all these things. This was years ago. And the thing is that I'm more satisfied now knowing I can possibly do those things than actually having them. You know, so my mind, my thing now is peace of mind and freedom. So I'm intentional about creating those things. So I don't have to go out and get the the, the, the car that I said I wanted once before to now please everybody else. Because now I can be intentional about taking that same money and buying a property, buying a building, buying freedom. And that's more important right now. Yeah, I was watching um, 
uh, interview with Elon Musk, and he talked about he was selling all of his assets. And they was like, why? You still got a lot. And he was like, I don't. <laughs> I don't really need them. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, why do I have them? I know I can go get them if I want them. And that's again, man, why we started and why we're talking about delayed gratification is some things will have to wait. Some yeah. things will have to be sacrificed. You know what I mean? Just like you're saying on the tax side, if I can save, figure out how to save twenty percent on a hundred hundred thousand dollars in taxes, because a lot of us are going to be entrepreneurs that make some good money. But if yeah. I can save an extra twenty thousand dollars a year, in twenty years, that's four hundred thousand without any interest being put on it. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah, that's a it's lot. a lot of money. And and what we don't realize, like I said, we don't look at the long haul. Mm. You know, and that's the thing is that you got all of that money over the long haul becomes beneficial. So it's a lot of cash, and I don't knock nobody. I tell people, man, get your bank. You know, but again, I've been at this moment for twenty five years. You know, and I tell people that's now what what I'm 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 really excited about. This is what I try to teach people. This is where I try to get you in position to is is sustainability. That's the thing, and this is where taxes come into play because when you think about the amount that you can not pay the government over twenty years, and what you can put into investments and saving in your lifestyle, bro, you by the time you retire, you've done everything mm-hmm. you wanted to. So at that point, now it's a matter of. Just stacking. So this is how we create the generational wealth. And it all starts with taxes again. Because now if I'm not spending exuberant amount of money at 50 because I'm trying to still live the lifestyle that I wanted when I was 30, I'm modest now. If I'm modest, I'm saving. I'm putting away. I'm investing. That's the money now that carries over to my child. With that, my child don't start from zero like I did, like my parents did, that it took us 10 years eventually get to a point where we can create the freedom and success and the mindset that we needed to be great because they have a chance. You just said something though. I, I give it to my kids, but then they're going to have to pay taxes on it. it. It depends on what form it comes in. It depends on what form it comes in. You know, so like you have some pension stuff. If they get that, they got to pay taxes on. Okay. But if you got some retirement and, and life insurance policies and some different things like that, they don't. Can I feed? Uh, you talked about insurance. That thing we call a trust and there's different kinds of trust. What do you think about that? Can I feed that that, that money that I save in taxes? Can I put it all into a trust? And what kind of taxes am I paying when I put it into the trust? Yeah, it, it's some some trust that you ain't gonna have to pay no taxes on. The one thing that trust keep coming up now. Everybody's really into the trust thing now. Right. I don't speak a lot on it because I'm not I'm not an expert on that. Mm-hmm. Really, that's that's something that I'm I'm looking more into now because it's coming up more. But for years, it never was a really really big thing. So I never put a lot of emphasis on it. But I understand the importance of it. But it's still what I try to do now is most people always say not trustable. <laughs> and, and not not in a bad way not where i'm saying that you're not trustable where we can't but you don't you don't have nothing you're talking about a trust you don't own nothing you don't have no investment <laughs> accounts i'm preparing you know, though yeah. i'm planning you know and so you have these things but my thing is learn to get a tax id number first you, you know so you're talking about a trust but you don't even have your loc straight yet mm. you don't have these things straight so you can put your locs under your trust and all these different things but you don't even have an loc yet you know, and so let's let's get those things. Let's get the basics first, gotcha. and then we can move into those things. But again, I don't speak a lot onto it because, again, if I'm not proficient in something, I'm not gonna sit there and give you a whole lot of lecture on it. Now, you just yesterday, I pulled up some YouTube stuff to kind of look at some different things. You know, and I'm gonna learn about it a little bit more. I'm gonna take some courses and some classes to kind of learn because I know that's what people at, and I know the new generation kind of understands it and moving into it. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm more proficient. But not only that, I want to make sure that my team is proficient because ten years from down the line, your son ain't gonna want to deal with no sixty year old man talking about taxes. Nah, he, he wants he wants somebody that look a little look, bit like him and his age. Better, yeah, look a yeah, little bit better. You know. Well, the one reason I bring up the trust is because one of the main benefits, because um, we did a lot of land trust when we were flipping property. Uh-huh. But again, the tax side of it, we really didn't know. We was trying to not let you know who we were, right? It wasn't based upon what the tax benefits are. But one of the tax benefits, biggest tax benefit that I understand is not having to pay like the transfer and the state taxes or, or like, because if you have a will, even if you got a will, yeah. Right. 
you still have to pay some fees associated with probating that will. But with a trust, everything's sitting there. So you save, I know, in that transfer tax, mm-hmm. but it's probably also some other things that you're saving. But, but yeah, that's you probably save it on estate state taxes and yes. some other stuff that you're dealing with. You know, and 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 again, this is why I'm getting into that arena because I haven't had to have a lot of experience with it. You know, for one, so it was no need. Like what I focus on and things that I'm that I see probably 90, 95 percent of my clients deal with. So I can be proficient and an expert in those industries. So I'm extremely good in that. So now if my clients start transitioning to that or I find that there's an education method for me to get into that, to basically now teach them that I'm definitely doing it. And that's why I definitely want to do it. But, you know, I've been blessed, bro, in the sense of not being been having clients not pay taxes. Mm. You know, and I always say this in 25 years, you can check research. Do you do diligence? Like if you got if if, if I strategize you to do S Corp or partnership returns or, or, or different other strategies, you can go to the county, the city, the state, the world, whatever. You ain't going to find one audit under my name. What you mean? Not Come one on, audit, bro. Like you got you got in 25 years, in 25 years, no audits, no, none. I guarantee you do whatever check you want to call around, touch bases. Now, some of the things you can't control is random audits. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't control random audits. Again, I guarantee you, you can't find one client that say, "Well, you know, I went to LB Tax Service, man, and they they actually had me paying so much in taxes." Again, because knowing strategies, knowing loopholes, and knowing situations, my clients don't pay more taxes than they need to pay. And so that's why I say my clients and I'm spoiled in that sense. So I do want to learn when I hear people say, well, yeah, I heard somebody pay those things. I'm like, no, nah, that's crazy. You know, I got somebody that probably paid now that, that sent their paperwork from me to somebody else. And they probably paid about $20,000 more than they need to. I'm going to amend it based on some things I know and probably get that down to from 30 to 10. So maybe save them $20,000, you know, but it's crazy because people do too much. You know, sometimes people do too much and sometimes you don't have to do too much. Just do enough to be right, mm-hmm. you know, be enough to keep you in a, in a in the right place. And that's my whole thing is, you know, for the longest, I'm going to be an expert on what I know and what I do. You know, so I'm not out here like people giving people half information on trust and stuff like that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer you to somebody who's been doing trust for 15 years. Gotcha. Gotcha. I work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Right. I do pretty well on my nine to five, but the tax is killing me. Right? How do I stop that? Like when when I say I work, I go to work. I work. I don't call it nine to five. I'm working really sixty hours a week. Yeah. And let's say I'm making uh, what's a good salary two fifty. Right in the south. I'm gonna say we living in the south. I ain't gonna say New York because that's a different animal up there. Right. But I make two fifty. But I'm giving almost a hundred grand in taxes. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I, they just broke something down, and and it was like one forty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, giving like hundred grand in taxes, right? So really, which is crazy to me, right? I, I I've earned my two fifty, but I'm let's just say I'm for numbers' sake, I gave up hundred in taxes. I'm only you. I'm working off one fifty, right? How can I do something about not giving that hundred away? What do I do, bro? employees unfortunately pay the highest amount of taxes if you've probably seen memes you hear that that is not a whole lot and when trump changed the game in 18 and changed some of the rules it made it even worse for them you know employees gonna pay the and they're gonna have the least amount of loopholes the the tax code has about 5800 you know uh codes in there Mm -hmm. 85 percent of it is to show you how not to pay taxes as an employee or as no, a business as owner? No, as a business owner. Oh, usually as self-employed, okay. usually kind of ways like that. So it shows you. So it's really geared toward really not paying taxes to show you how it's, a, it's, it's loopholes. Most of those are not for employees. It's not a whole lot that employees can do because, see, the tax code, taxes, the benefits are to the employer because the government makes their money off of all the taxes they charge you as a worker. So they want me to be an employee, grow my business, and hire people. This is why bosses and companies get so many breaks. Mm-hmm. This is why they get all of the credits. 
because they want me to hire you because I'm going to get my taxes from you as mm. an employee. Correct. The more employees I can bring. So the system is designed. So it's not a, a whole lot. It's some strategies you can do. Like if you got a company, you know, and I, I always talk about investing into anything that your company may offer and match, you know, because I, it's, again, it's different strategies. But my thing is, I want to basically simplify stuff for you. What we do is we understand certain things as a people and then we grow you into that. So when people say, well, well, I don't know, you know, 401ks ain't, you know, that ain't the way to go. You shouldn't do 401ks. And, but the most common person, this is what they know. When you start saying, take your money and invest it into this and that, most people are not going to do what they're not comfortable with. So some of the strategies that that I may say and other people that I know may give you may be things that you're comfortable with. Once you're comfortable there, then you start moving. So things maybe like starting off in the 401k and invest in that because it reduces your tax liability. The more I invest in 401k, not just the matching part, not just the retirement part, but it reduces the amount of money I get taxed on. You know, and so that's one of the things that you can do. So if I can reduce my taxes get matched and put into retirement, that may be a good starting point. Correct. Now you have basically your, your IRAs and different things like that, that you can do as an employee. You don't have what they call unreimbursed employee expense. I tell people right now, understand this rule because it's going to come back is when you pay money out of pocket for your job. Mm -hmm. And that can be driving places, meeting clients, lunch, dinner, supplies, uniforms, whatever that went away. That that hurt a I lot of people. Can't write it off. No, anymore? as a as a W two employee, no. This is why I tell as a as a uh, self employed person, you can. But as a as a, a a person now, and see, it hurt a lot of people because when what, what we've been doing for the last three years, working from home. Correct. Even if we're a W two person, I used to can write that off. My internet, my home office, all of that. I can't do none of that no more. So. Right now, there's not a whole lot of strategies other than get a business to help offset some of that for things you're doing every day. And so understanding some of the other things you can do is probably keep up with all your charitable donations. Um, they changed the rule on that, too. So less people when did now. When these rules change? When did that rule change? In, in 18. Right in 18. So yeah. when Trump, so when Trump came, came in, in, he changed a lot of them. And so only 10 to 13% of people claim their house now. So even having a house, so even when you're W-2 and you have a house now, you're probably not writing your home off because the standard deduction went up as far as what the government is going to give you so the amount that you have interest and taxes on your house don't come up to enough to make a difference now. So you can add that along with your charitable donations. Again, we weren't going to church as much, so we weren't tithing as much. Tithing was one of the things that you needed. People to want to send their tithes in? It wasn't like cash happening as they much. cash Because, you know, you feel guilty when you write there at church. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you sit there to plate passing. You want to drop a five, but, you know, Sister, Sister Eileen watching. So you're going to drop a 20. Gotcha. So that's every week when you're in church, you're going to drop some money. But at home, you cash out like, oh, they don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm sending y'all $4. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's different. It's different in that sense, though. So all of those things that you basically used to can write off, it, it, it don't help as much. But that's things you can do as an employee. But it's, it's hard to save, bro. It's just not a whole lot of loopholes. So what if I'm a W-2 employee, right? but I buy some investment properties. Can I write off anything from my salary over there? If I'm using, yeah, and, and no, I know, but, I, but that, but again, that's your, no, you can't do nothing with your salary. Now the thing that you can do is if you buy investment property, mm -hmm. the money that you pour into that investment property, say for instance, I don't have a tenant, but I had to do repairs. Mm -hmm. I had to do maintenance. I had to do all of these different things to the house. I got depreciation. I had to get supplies. I had to get contractors. I had to clean. I had to get uh, appliances. All of those things that I spent will now be shown as what we call a real estate loss. That real estate loss will reduce my W-2 income. So now if I made $250,000, but I spent $20,000 on the rental property, that loss from the rental property will reduce that 250 down to 230. So now I'll get taxed on 230 as opposed. So it can help, but uh oh, this is the issue again. Word. This is why 
not having a business. And this is why you hear people say that. And, and I get the whole, well, everybody ain't, you know, everybody is not an entrepreneur. Everybody, I understand that, but you're going to pay the cost for it. I'm not saying you should be, but understand you're going to pay the cost for it. Because see, at 250 there's an exemption and an exclusion that if I make over 150 Ramon, I can't write off my, my rental, uh, rental property deductions no more. Oh, oh. Over what amount? One fifty. Over one fifty, and okay. that's even joint. So that's if if and and you know how many people together, especially in Atlanta, gonna make one fifty. Yeah. yeah, I can't write off my so even all that money I poured into my property, we can't even take that as a, a loss. We can't even write that off. We can't do nothing with it. So we got to have some other strategies. So we got to have some other strategies. Okay. So one of the strategies may be put your rental properties under a business. So if you put it under LLC, now it's not subject to that 150. Mm, okay. So now I can write it off because see again what we got to understand, people who make the laws 90% of the time are business owners. Mm-hmm. So when I change the tax laws, I'm not going to change the tax laws to hurt businesses because me and pretty much probably 90% of my friends are business owners. Are business owners. So we usually like that's why you see whenever tax laws change, Business laws need to get better or stay the same. Because I ain't changing these tax laws to hurt nobody. When We got to understand, when Trump first got in office, the first thing Trump did, we all forgot about this, but the first thing he did was change the tax bill. Because he was saying, well, what we're going to do, we're going to lower the corporate tax rate because companies are going to save hundreds of billions of dollars, and that's going to stimulate the economy because we're now going to hire more people. Did it work? They didn't do it like they did it, but it wasn't for that. Like when they when they put it out there, they said only 13 percent of CEOs because you were supposed to stimulate the economies by giving jobs, giving shareholders bigger returns, you know, start putting more bonuses and incentives in place and put more people in, in places. And this is what it was supposed to be about. But it wasn't. He lowered the tax rate for corporations because him and his friends are corporations. So well, they was able to win from this. Now, the whole thing about the the, the, the stimulating the economy, only 13% of CEOs say they were actually going to actually give more money to shareholders. This money was going to go in their pockets. This 200,000, I mean, 200 million that they was going to save, 100 million. So the game is not played for employees. You know, so when all them them laws change, so it's not a whole lot that employees can do because even, even with the rental property, if you making 150, you're going to lose out. You can't take that expense. So you're going to probably have to take and put those rental properties under LLC in order to get the full benefit from it. You know, and so if you say, well, me and my spouse make too much, you know, I don't want to file with them. I don't want to file with her. Then you can't take the rental property investment property loss as when you file married, filing separate. So you know, it, it, it don't work to your advantage as a W-2 employee. And I ain't telling nobody to quit their job and, you know, <laughs> but what I do tell people is get you a side business or something, you know, try to work that because you, you, you're using your car every day. You got a home office you're bragging about, you know, you're using your cell phone, using your computer, using the internet every day anyway. And if you don't have some type of business, you ain't getting no break for it. You ain't getting no break. You know, but you're doing it anyway. So realistically, if you use it and it works to your advantage from a tax standpoint, then you paying for all of that stuff. Because if it re- reduced my taxes by five thousand, that's a lot of money. I'm still paying for all of that because I have a business. So I might not even see a whole lot of money in pocket as a business owner. Mm-hmm. I'm, but it, but we because we want instant gratification. You know, we're not thinking about the delayed gratification of the fact of. All right, you know what? I saved $5,000. All right, it didn't come in my pocket, but that's money that paid for the cell phone, that paid for the internet, mm-hmm. that paid my car note, all of those little things that it's doing by saving money. And it may not be in my bank account, but I'm still saving. You know, so it's things that you can do, but W-2 employees, bro, it's... It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But everybody should have a business. I, I, that's my thinking, you know, to, to something, you know, and, and the thing is, I ain't saying in a, in a legal way, you know, you gotta, you gotta actively operate the business, but rich and successful people start businesses, not all the time to make a lot of money, but a lot of time to save money because that those expenses reduce their tax liability. 
I got one question. What does delayed gratification mean to you? Delayed gratification to me means, you know, making sacrifices to right now, not getting everything I want right now to know that, you know, in the future, I'll be able to live the lifestyle that I want to live, you know, and, and, and I, and I, I'm a, I, I believe that I'm a testament to that, man, because a lot of stuff I didn't get early on consciously, like, you know, I'm not tripping on that. I remember a story, I mean, a quick story before we get out, like one of my partners, I had three locations at the time and I was still driving my, um, Ford Explorer. And, and I, I remember we pulled up, uh, I went home, I drove it to New Orleans, I pulled up, we was in Holly Grove, and I pulled up, and it was like at the park, it was for the turkey bowl doing Thanksgiving, and we were talking, me and one of my partners, and we, it was like, when we pulled up, he said, oh man, they ain't, gonna, they ain't gonna thank you God like that, you know, because you pulling up in the Explorer. I say, bruh, I say, I ain't even tripping on that. I say, but they all going to be talking about me while my bank basically going to say something else. And and I thought about it like from a delayed gratification standpoint, like I could have probably got a Benz a long time ago, but I always said it wasn't time. It, it wasn't time. And what I meant by that is when I'm able to buy Benz and I'm able to pretty much put almost half down payment on it and I got a note that's, I don't even know that's there because it's so small because I'm not living for it then it's time. So I wasn't out to basically, I was going to delay my gratification to where now later on I can buy whatever I want, do whatever I want. And now financially it don't hurt me or bother me, you know? And so this is why I say, you know, for, for, for one of the reasons why I always say I probably don't have the most money of most people, but I've had the most success because when you talk about living your lifestyle, living your, your, your journey, your destined life, for 15, 20 years, bruh, it's not a lot of people doing that. You know, and this is what I really want to get to young people. Like, all right, there's a lot of, you know, I come from the streets, man. I, I've seen a lot of dudes have a two, three, five-year run. Yes. But after that, all you got is stories. You know, all you I got remember is, when. You got to, I remember when I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> and these young people don't care no more. Like, because now when you used to be and now you work in a job, you tell them, oh, man, I was this. Man, they were like, man, shut up. Go pick them boxes up. <laughs> you know, them young people don't care no more. So, you know, my thing is I always, and my friends will tell you, I always said I never wanted to be a used to be. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be a used to be. I was pretty popular at home, be it sports, be in streets, whatever. But I never wanted to be a used to be. You know, and so my thing is, I'm going to delay all of that to when I get older. I'm not going to be that old cat saying, man, I remember when, you know, no, I wanted to live this lifestyle consistently for the next 15, 20 and the next 20 years after this. But now now my mission has changed is to pour into other people to understand you can live this lifestyle. You can do it for a long term. You know, and that's the thing is that now, but, but again, we get caught up in this whole, I got to have it now. And if I don't get it now and I don't have it no more, I got to still keep it up. (laughs) I got to still keep it up and that's instant gratification. And so delayed gratification is putting it on hold until later, make all the sacrifices and do it out now so I can have everything later. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the Delayed Gratification Podcast, Brian. Hey, I know they're going to enjoy this one, man, when they watch it. Hey, I, I love it, man. I love what you're doing, bro. I appreciate everything you do for me, the community, and yourself, brother. So keep up the work and look forward to seeing you in the future. All right. Thank you, man.